Hello, this is Elizabeth and Lee, and we are Austin Enneagram, and today we are talking about sixes, and we have one of each of the subtypes with us here, and I think it's always best for us to start with having everybody introduce themselves and also tell us what, what subtype you are, which, which of the three. I'm Kathy Sever. And I am a self-prez six. <laughs> and you're our, you are our resident six. Yeah. You're on all our six podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Susanna, and I am a sexual six. I'm Claire Holly, and I just learned I'm a social six. All right. And Claire is zooming in from L.A. Yes. Wonderful. Um, so we're going to do sexual first. Um, because Susanna might have to dash, right? So, um, so just in general, um, sexual kind of means going beyond the boundaries, breaking routines and exploration. Um, specifically with six, uh, and you're the counter type. So, Mm -hmm. so being the counter type of your number means that, that you are ambiguous, about your passion, which is fear. So there's ambiguity about fear. Um, I think counter types are also like when you're doing an, an, an Enneagram introduction, it's sometimes the hardest for sixes, which I think we've talked about this with you. Yeah. It's hardest for the counter types to hear themselves in the kind of characteristic caricature teachings, of, yes. like the intro of it, because they, they don't fit. They don't, they don't fit. Um, like they should. So. Or they're working against their yes. passion, so it's harder for them to see. To sense it. To, or, to sense mm-hmm. it. Um, so um, uh, one of the things that, I don't know where I got this from, but one of the things that sexual sixes do are they try to be scary themselves. Um, it's kind <laughs> of like a preemptive strike to deal with their fear. Yeah. Um, and and. So they're a rebel, they're a contrarian, they can look like an eight. Um, So, I mean, I have lots of questions. I guess like one of them is what, do you have any thoughts about what it means to be ambiguous about fear or working against it or? Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, it was really hard to like Mm -hmm. figure my number out because I am such a counterphobic six. Um, I don't know. Like when I was listening to the episode 19, mm-hmm. when you were talking about like the one to one sexual stuff, like yes. that resonated so intensely for me. Awesome. I think um, it was interesting because like, I feel like with being a six, like I have such a huge fear of like losing that stability in my life and kind of like, for me, it's like abandonment stuff mm-hmm. and the like one to one, like the sexualness in me is like losing myself in someone and losing mm-hmm. myself in my relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a way that I'm like countering that fear, I guess, is like fully plunging into relationships where I could fully like be faced with this abandonment, but I'm like trying to seek that security through that like sexualness in me, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting that like a sexual six is trying to be scary, right? To, I make totally themselves feel, feel that. Yeah. It's such a defense mechanism for me. Like mm-hmm. I 
even like people when they would tell me they would that they find me intimidating, I would yeah. like love it. It made me feel safer. That's so interesting. Yeah. Can yes, you yes. what t- can you say anything more about that? I don't know. It is so weird. I think like I do go through the world with like so much fear and so much of my anxiety and my fear is pertaining to other people and like how I'm perceived and like if people like me, they don't like me, like like people not wanting to be my friend anymore, whatnot. And so like having people fear me when I fear everyone else so intensely, mm. it feels so like it takes me out of that fear for a second, you know? Yeah. It kind of like brings me back to earth and I'm like, oh wait, like people can find me intimidating. Yeah. And like, I think also like trying to present myself in a scarier way helps me disconnect myself from all that anxiety and that fear and like kind of enter this persona mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels really good. It's like really, it's crazy. It's a weird, weird feeling. That's cool. Beatrice Chestnut, the word she uses for it, she doesn't use like wanting to be scary. She talks about some people wanting to feel like they're intimidating. They don't even realize they're being intimidating, that they kind of put off that air of intimidation, sexual sixes. But she also uses the word strength a lot, that they like to feel like strong or um, come from a place of strength. No, that, and yeah, want that to be seen as strong, even though all of this stuff is going on under the water, right? Like, even though you're swimming hard against the fears and feelings of yeah. abandonment that you kind of overcompensate with this yeah. need to be strong. No, I totally feel that. I think I, like, my entire life have struggled with being very, like, emotionally not present, kind of. Hmm. Like, everyone's always said, like, it's very hard for them to feel like I'm opening up to them in like a really vulnerable way. Mm. And I feel like part of that is because I really do try to like present myself as very strong and like overcompensate for the fact that I am so emotional. Yes. Um, that resonates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, sorry, I'm getting <laughs> lost in what you're saying. Um, okay. So I want to go through the, the three zones of sexual, which is one evolution, which is, um, risk, taking risk, lights you up, breaking up predictability, following the juice. Does that resonate? Like semi, but not as much as the third third one. So what about attracting, displaying and radiating aliveness, charisma, broadcasting your energy, and looking for that energy to come the back reading at other you. other people's broadcasting yeah, really yeah. connect with me because yeah. I'm, I'm so judgmental. It's so yeah. horrible. And if someone like <laughs> doesn't present themselves with the same like level of strength that I perceive strength. that I have, yeah, or the same level of like passion or like anything, like if I feel like someone's weak or like not cool or whatever, not checked into it, yeah, yeah. I'm like immediately I like disregard them, yeah, and I kind of like don't respect them. It's really, it's really awful. (laughs) Well, do you think, I mean, uh, do you think that because you're working so hard to overcome your fear by being intimidating and being plugged in, Mm -hmm. uh, and that that makes you feel safe, that it makes you kind of resentful when people are not even trying to do that? Like that they're just not even I don't think it makes me resentful. I think I'm more, I'm just like. That's a four thing, maybe. I don't know. I think I'm more just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Maybe because it is like, it does take up so much of my like brain space to Mm -hmm. like be presenting a certain way to counter my own fears. Mm -hmm. That if someone's just like fully like out of touch with that thought process, I guess, and just like doing Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck they want, I'm like, huh? Yeah. 
Do you think that's partly because for you it feels so intense? Like, are you, like, I was curious reading this and listening to you and thinking about sexual sixes. Are you, are you pretty dialed into your fear quite a bit? Or are you so kind of moving against it that you forget it sometimes? I feel like I'm pretty dialed in. I feel like I'm pretty dialed in. Like, it's like a, I'm kind of like in constant dialogue with myself having to like calm myself down, even like day-to-day conversations, like the chain thinking thing, Mm -hmm. like that is like a constant in my head. So I do feel very dialed into it. And how you deal with it is partially that projection. No, totally. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Mm -hmm. And so the third is fusion with an intense one-pointed focus to immerse yourself in what lights you up. Total commitment. Yeah. When I was listening to the podcast, I was like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where, that's where, where you yeah. feel it the most. I mean, because like, like you were saying, like sixes, we crave security mm-hmm. and I like finite relationships, mm-hmm. which isn't a healthy thing to do, but that's like how I've channeled that is mm-hmm. just through people. And so like, even my friendships and relation, romantic relationships, I like fully, like, I want to be like devoured in like love with that person, yeah. you know? Like, I want to be, like, fully encompassed by it because for some reason, like, that's what makes me feel safe, even though it isn't. It's, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just, like, a, a fleeting illusion of safety. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. It's very much, like, a temporary fix. I mean, I think in that pot, in that episode, you were talking about how it's almost like an addiction, your dominant mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. stacking or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, like, that's what it feels like. It's, like, a temporary thing that makes me feel secure and feel safe for a second, and then, but it's like never enough. Almost. Yeah. Then does it become the source of your fear? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think immersion and you kind of. Lose, How can it not? How can it not? How, fear. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like this, like, um, self, like reinforcing this like narrative that I tell myself, I'm like, oh, okay, like I won't be secure. Like people are going to leave. And, you know, that's going to happen if you're, like, giving way too much of yourself in relationships. That's, like, inevitable, you know? Right, right. Mm. Yeah. But it feels so good. And even with, like, my music and stuff, like, fully pouring myself into, like, one thing feels so, like, fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I feel that, um, I mean, I just wonder, I'm talking tomorrow to a bunch of artists who want to talk about the Enneagram. And I've, I, one of the things we're talking about is, like, putting your number in your art practice and I feel like that's like such a safe place to put it you Mm -hmm. know because there are no because it can't leave you your art practice can't leave you unless you let it you know um you're in charge of it leaving you or not leaving you and um so I think like one pointed immersion in your art practice is a good place to put it whereas relationships it's interesting (laughs) right three art well all of you are artists, but right. <laughs> all of, your, your all of us are actually. Are yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yes, and Russ Hudson is on kind of a, a, a train right now where he thinks that all the fours that come up to him and say their fours are really sixes. So I think, yeah. And so actually, um, that's why I think it's really important what you're saying, because I think probably a lot of them are sexual sixes, Mm -hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So. I wanted to be a four. (laughs) 
So like, tell me, tell, okay, tell me, tell me why, because yeah, that's important. Well, and let me just say our mutual friend, John Evans, Elizabeth, yeah. and Chad, and I went over for dinner to his house. He's like, Claire, I bet you're a four with a three wing and Chad, I bet you're a four with a five wing. I was like, I'm a six. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, as I was, you know, I started, started learning about the Enneagram doing the lady lodge retreat with you and Suzanne. And it was kind of all new to me. You know, I was very suspicious. Like, what are you into? What's this cult you're into? Elizabeth? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. You know? And, mm-hmm. and as I listened, I was like, well, I'm probably a three. Cause I kind of a performer and I, I'm from the South and I care a lot what people think. And then as I listen more, I was like, nope, I'm a six, but I think of fours as kind of these, I have a lot of four friends and they're, you know, artsy. And it just sounds like a, you know, a sexier number than a six. <laughs> huh? That's, you know, and so, um, you know, that's, it's, to me, it's kind of a cool number. I, and, and I, maybe that's, you know, I probably shouldn't. I think when anyone says that they think something's cool. I mean, is it fast way to know it's not your number? There is. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. it's really your number, you don't think it's cool. Yeah. I think there is though in us probably depending maybe a lot on our um, instinctual variant that's dominant, like as a self-preservation person, there is something in me that it does think there's something magical about sexual dominant numbers mm, sure you know like i i don't have access to that right you know, i'm so awkward and so i just think it is cool right well that i think i think the there's parts of us lots that we don't of have. health to be found mm-hmm. in i mean not only bringing up your your uh least used center of intelligence but also to bring up your least used instinct instinct thank sure. you sure, sure. so i don't know if any of y'all feel that you know what your least used instinct is to do you know yeah yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and I also think that people who are in relationship with people who have the the opposite instinct have some relationship struggles because yeah and Mm -hmm. Suzanne said that one time and I've been paying attention to it lately because I think it's like like I was trying to get you to say that you're resentful, but you're not resentful. Like I'm resentful of people that are the opposite instinct of me because I, you know what I mean? It's like this thing that is not available to me mm-hmm. that I have maybe shame about or just, or that I just feel like they're asking too much of me or they're dragging, slowing me down or whatever, you know? So I think that's <laughs> not, not you. So I think, um, so I think those are two really important things. Like whatever is your least dominant, both uh, instinct and center of intelligence are the places where you're going to find your health, yeah. your work, your health. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, I mean, I kind of just want to like, so uh, intensity is comfort, right? Yeah, totally. And it, it feels safe. To, you find safety in intensity. Yeah, which is... Yeah. So ridiculous. I do. I mean, I do too. I do too. That's why I'm at. That's why. And so I think it's like, (laughs) I, as a four, am resentful of other people who are not trying so hard to be so intense about life and so plugged into it all because I'm like, you know, and when they're not doing it, I have this resentment, which probably is attached to envy, right? Mm -hmm. But so as a six, Mm -hmm. fear, you, I think you don't have that, what did I say? Contempt. I think y'all... Sixes don't yeah. have contempt or judgment. 
in the same way that a sexual mm-hmm. four has. No, honestly, I feel like when I was like listening to talk about like the self-preservation, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm jealous almost. You're jealous. Yeah. Cause I know like that would, if would like help. my whole fear is like not having security, like that would make, like, I wish I was more in touch with that. Mm-hmm. You can be. Yeah. Well, and one of my questions, I, like for all of you, you know how we talk, when we talk about sixes, we talk about like, you have to learn to trust yourself. Like your work is that trust. And so in thinking about like your own intuition and listening and how you make decisions, can, can you talk about how in the context of, of, um, of being a sexual six, Mm -hmm. like how you're in touch with your intuition or how you would describe that and how you make decisions? I mean, it's so funny. I was actually thinking about this the other day because I, I feel like I've always been a very like intuitive person. Uh And like, if I'm looking at things relationally, like I intuitively can feel if someone's like a bad idea for me to be getting involved with, or like if a friend is like, I need to create some distance, but if I feel like there's like passion in that relationship, I will be like, overlook that. You will overlook that that intuition. Yeah. Because I would rather have that like intensity than the, than the, than the 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 practicality. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's major. That's That's the whole counterphobic part too, right? Like that's the, that somehow intensity and strength safety even kind of, but that is your idea of safety. Yeah. Even though you know it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know it isn't. You know with your like, head that it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think there's probably lots to unpack about around why I mean, that feels almost, safe I on the get-go. You have thoughts? Can I ask you a yeah. question? Just because I'm wondering if it's actually connected to safety because it feels like it's a language that you can be fluent in mm-hmm. and therefore yeah. form connection through and thereby somehow maybe even manipulate that relationship which feels like control. Yeah. No, that makes a total that makes total sense. Like I could see it being a portal to yeah. finding that safety through like being able to kind of It's power. Yeah, power. It's power. No, yeah. I mean it's also it's because it feels so like familiar to me. So it feels safe and I know how to navigate those kind of relationships because I've been in them. And I do, it does give me an element of control. I think in all the senses, I do feel like I have control, which does feel safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. interesting. <laughs> so you could see how it would be so hard for you to pick up on. Be, I mean, just how different yeah. your, your six energy is compared to Kathy and Claire. Claire. Mm-hmm. I mean, Very different. Very different. Very different. I think of my dad. I'm like saying her. I think of my dad. I'm like, we're such opposites. And we're yeah. Both sixes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your whole family is sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Crazy. Okay. Let's Claire. We'll, we'll go move on to social. <laughs> um, so social in general, is like a capacity to work with others and be a part of the world. Um, the, you're kind of the classic six, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. And that you're like loyal and true, trusty and true, social glue, you know. Um, uh, does that ring true for you, Claire? You're laughing. Uh, no, what does that laughter mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I will say when Susanna said, if I meet somebody and I kind of red flag goes up, but they're really intense and I'm feeling this connection, this juice, 
I'll go and I lean into that. And I, I actually do identify with some of the, like the risk taking of the sexual six and the following the juice. But if I meet somebody like that, that's super dramatic and maybe there's a kind of a connection there, but red flags go up, I probably will be like, nope, maybe another time. But I, but so I feel kind of a tension about that. Like I really am drawn to people that I can have these intense connections with, but if it's a threat in any way to like, oh gosh, I'm going to want to have like go off and have a relationship with them. And I'm already married and all this stuff. So, um, <laughs> she likes to decide. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, but yes, I would say I do. I, I do enjoy, um, what, what did you just say? Loyal, the kind of. Just loyal and true and social glue. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, So what I was going to ask you is like, does loyalty feel safe? Does collaboration with other people feel safe? It's one of, yes, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things in life, honestly. Um, Collaboration. Yeah. In terms of music, um, I love going and writing songs by myself, but ultimately I want to make music with other people and see what kind of comes out from that. Like I'm kind of done with just doing the record by myself. Like there's so much to be gained from having the right kind of like being like a casting director, like picking these musicians to be in the room and then just seeing kind of what happens in there with that. Like, of course not, it doesn't always go well, but it usually goes well. Mm-hmm. And that I had a recent experience where I was producing another artist and I had my son in there playing drums and she was singing. And there was a guy tracking and I was playing guitar and I was realized that both Eliza and my son, Jack, were looking to me. And it was the coolest feeling because normally I'm kind of like, who's the authority here? Like, you know, who? And and I was like, they were they were looking to me and it was there was so much joy in the room. I mean, of course, we're like kind of had to settle in like, oh, gosh, that first song, you know, but to see their joy in the process of making her record and that they were kind of that I was really the glue. It was one of the best two days of my life. I love that. That's great. That's a perfect story. And uh, I think it's also interesting that you brought up that you're always looking for the authority and you're not feeling that you're the one that is. And in that moment you knew you were and you could accept it. You could. Oh yeah. I kind of, I I did. I, I, and I relished it. And I think that's one of the, there's some things about turning 50 that are a little like difficult, but that's one of the things that I will say to, you know, not sure how old y'all are, but like, if you're not 50 <laughs> yet, like there's some things about midlife that are like, yeah, this is kind of what I can do. And now I have, now I can help some people that are younger than me mm-hmm. or even, I mean, I guess it's not even necessarily an age thing, but just maybe have not gotten down that path yet. Yeah. So that's a real, that's a, that's a real fun part about being a six now, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And a musician six. Yeah. Um, so the three zones of social, um, the first one is like reading called reading, like reading other people, understanding where they're coming from, adapting to meet the needs of a group, finding your place in the world, kind of reading between the lines of what people mean when they say things. Um, and I think you said the other day on the phone that you were, you really resonated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can I can definitely walk in a room and sort of, I think sometimes I, 
I, my husband tells me I can be kind of oblivious about some things, like maybe the shoes people are wearing. Um, <laughs> or did you see that blazer that guy had on? Like, no, but I, I sensed that he was a little blah, blah, blah. Like, so I'm feeling emotions, but I may not be picking up on like the window was wide open, you yeah. know, or something like that. So, but yeah. yeah, I feel, I definitely identify with the picking up on emotional cues. So, yeah. Um, uh, bonding. So co-creating part of a team, uh, natural ability to give, adapt, support others. I think, I think you're really good at that. I think that's kind of what your story is a good illustration of is that you're, you know, you're offering that. And I think, you know, I think social sixes are really good at, um, seeing what the whole group needs and being willing to not like to sublimate their needs so that the whole group has what they need. And it doesn't feel, uh, it's not like a big sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just that's feels amazing like- to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Beatrice talks about this aspect as like using warmth as a tool or as a cover. And Kathy and I talked about that <laughs> a little bit last week. Um, does that like, can you unpack that a little bit? Do you know mm-hmm. what that even means? Warmth as a cover. Sure. Um, and as a Mississippi girl, we can talk about that for a long time too. Um, when, when Susanna said that sometimes her pals say, or people that she's met through the years talk about it, she's sometimes hard to read, not opening up, not vulnerable. I've had lots of people tell me that. And I'm kind of thinking what? Cause I feel so, you know, I feel very sensitive and I feel like that shows to people, but I realize like, you know, there's a bit of my, I love my dad, but he was a bit formal. And I'm sure there's like some, some parts of me that are kind of like, you know, that my sort of visage is sort of like, yeah, things are good, you know, um, <laughs> and a warmth to kind of as part of the glue, maybe. I, again, I, this is not something I've, I've unpacked a lot, but I do think there's, there's something there. Yeah. If, you, if anybody else, any of the other six, I don't want to dominate this. But any, Well, one thing six. I kind of wanted to ask you, Lee, and you, Claire, is that I think nines kind of use warmth as a cover, mm-hmm. and I think social sixes use warmth Self as a cover. Self-pez more than, I think self-pez more than social. Than social? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think so, too? You mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm just wondering if y'all can talk about the difference in, like, you're using. The why. Yeah. How. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I use it as a nine, partly to be slippery as a nine. Uh Um, And and when you say slippery, what do you mean? um, That I give you enough, and it's true. (laughs) What what is coming from me is true. Yeah, you're not lying or faking. Yeah, no. I I mean, I can if I need to, but not for very long. So Uh I think that's part of being a self pres. I will just kind of remove myself. Um, But it. I think it just kind of um, greases the skids, right? Like it's just e- easier to 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 be with, and um, I'm not interested in the intensity, right? I'm not. Yeah. Um, and I think my warmth, because because I am so interested as a self preservation, which we'll get to that, is is in making people feel comfortable, and I, I'm tuned in really quickly to where people are. Not probably not in the same way that Claire <laughs> is, but like with that being my dominant space, mm-hmm. I want to know everybody's comfortable. So you want to know everyone's <clears throat> comfortable, which is mm-hmm. makes you comfortable. Which makes me comfortable. Yeah. Okay. It makes me super uncomfortable to know that someone is not comfortable. 
in a space and I could do something about it. Right. And I think my warmth, I think some the, the warmth I would project helps, helps that. Yeah. I don't know if that makes it does. Do you have anything to say about that? Mm-hmm. I mean that I I feel the same way. You feel the same way, but it's probably more about feeling safe rather than um, uh, comfortable. Or do you think they're the same thing for you? I'm sure they're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, the idea that if somebody else is, I think that like to follow that thread. Mm-hmm. If somebody in that I'm sharing space with is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I can very easily turn that into a fear of that person mm. holding me responsible for oh. their discomfort mm. or a fear of. Yeah. I totally what, resonate with that. Yeah. Wow. Are you doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, that was good. Much. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really interesting. So you think that when other people in the room are uncomfortable, you have a fear that you are it's responsible, it's your fault, and you're going to be blamed for it. Yeah. And so does that make you want to fix it quickly yeah. or deal with it quickly? Yeah, because it that kind of, like what we were talking about last the last time I was here, where there's sort of, it always feels like there's this sort of fragile construct of not necessarily a hierarchy, but maybe something akin to um, a hierarchy that feels very difficult to balance. And I feel very tuned into where the fragility lies. Mm-hmm. And I feel responsible for maintaining some sort of equilibrium. And I, and I feel afraid that if things start to break down, that is going to impact me negatively. Yeah. That somebody's mm-hmm. going to attack me or yeah, something. Usually it's that somebody's going to attack me or take something from me. Mm-hmm. So mine is, I think if I had to put words to it, it would be more about there would be a sadness in me that people didn't feel connected. Okay. That someone didn't feel like they belonged or were welcomed or had a place. Yeah. Um, I'm real on the lookout for that. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I would think that suits you well as a chaplain. Yeah. Usually, I mean, I'm not gonna be funny. Yeah, yeah, but that I'm on the I'm on the field for that. Right, um, and then the last zone for social is is contribution. So it's a feeling connected to the entire tribe of humanity, an instinctive do- desire to give your gifts to the world for the greater good, and feeling part of the world. Um, mm. How does that hit you? Haunts me, haunts me, haunts me. Yeah. Really? Like, yes, yes. Like, What do you I, mean it haunts you? Well, I have, I would say this is not a pressing question right now, but when I was 20, 21, I was deciding between going to work at Covenant House in New York City. I don't know if you remember that, Elizabeth. I do. I, I do. stayed with you. And I spent a week with Covenant House for orientation. And, and then I got a call from a guy in Chicago to come do some singing there. It was jingle singing and we were going to record some too, but I was like, it felt I, all my life. I thought, no, I need to go help the street kids in New York. That's, that's what I need to do. But to choose music over that Hmm. was definitely a statement of what my heart wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. 
And one of the things that I've learned in some songwriting teaching is you may be talking about the song, but you're really talking about that other human being. And, and, you know, so to help another human with a song is really kind of helping them in their life. I think Um, not to be like all high and mighty, like I've got all this stuff to teach, but I think um, that was a real breakthrough to realize that, you know, songs actually do help people. I've had people tell me that, that they've gotten them through things. Um, I think they help more than anything I can think of. And to hear, you know, to have people say that it's really, it, it, it means a lot because I still feel like I, you know, I still love, there's nothing to me like going to a soup kitchen and putting food on a plate and handing it to somebody. And maybe that plate's made with styrofoam. And I don't, you know, maybe it's like a lot of things that are not great about that situation. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of waste, but like that in that moment, I'm doing something that feels that I'm connecting with the needs of the world. That, that really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I say haunts. I mean, sometimes it's inspiring, but sometimes it's kind of like makes me feel guilty for the path that I've chosen. And how would you say that like being connected to the tribe of humanity and helping other people and putting your needs to the side sometimes, how how does that relate to feeling safe for you? Hold on. I don't feel like I'm putting my needs aside. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling those needs when I do that. Like it doesn't, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, how does that relate to feeling safe? Is that what like, you're how is it? I mean, I, I'm guessing that pretty much all the the motivations of sixes around safety and managing fear. So, if you resonate very heavily with this being part of the world and helping other people, how does where does that fit into feeling safe, feeling stable, combating fear, or managing fear? Well, for some reason, this is where I maybe thought I maybe as a kid I was an eight because. I love, I love kind of walking in. I think I do at least like, I like walking into what some would consider kind of a risky situation. Like, Oh, I'm going to go across the street and, you know, help this homeless man and give him some food. Like, Oh, but what if he blah, blah, blah. You know, I, that completely energizes me. The things like my husband at one time had a motorcycle. That was fine. The things that scare me are more like, is my child on the phone too long is, um, and, you know, are we doing enough? Are we reading together as a family? Like all these little things. So those are the kind of things that haunt me more than like me um, taking a risk by uh, going and helping out somewhere. Um, right. Do you think, Claire, that that's your, like, Beatrice Chestnut talks a lot about social sixes really, you know, like being being kind of the stereotypical six, what Elizabeth said, but that you find, um, whether it's an ethos or a, like a theology or a way of thinking, like some kind of intellectual, and it sounds like yours kind of connects to your heart in a different way, but it is this view of the world and living into that view of how the world is or how the world should be, like socially, which is kind of what you're talking about, how it should be set up and how you participate that is where you find safety is kind of, I think, how she would describe it. And that can look, you're describing it in this way of, of like using your gifts and sharing and connecting. You know, for others, it might um, be someone who's dogmatic or has a certain way of teaching or it's a 
particular authority. And so my guess is that came from somewhere, right? So how you were raised or um, this, this, it's hard to say it, I guess, kind of an intellectual um, kind of ethos idea of how the world is that's living into that is safe is where you mm, yes. beautifully does said. that make sense that is, that's well said yeah and it's so true claire you uh, for you and chad both i think and i feel like y'all being together that's something y'all really hold together with your you know with each other and with your children and mm-hmm. that you're that that ethos and the way the world, how you feel the world should be and how we should all be with each other is like what you're trying to maintain and trying to protect. No? Yes? No, no. Last, no, I'm, yeah. oh, thank you. Mm. I, I don't always <laughs> feel like I'm the best example of that, but I think you're I'll pretty darn good. Resonates, so. so going back to, I ask, um, I'm just really curious about all of you talking through this, but how you, <laughs> how you make decision. So you just talked about like the example of you deciding to go to New York and work at Covenant House versus following your music and writing jingles, which I can imagine as a 20, 21 year old felt so disconnected or different, but how, like, can you describe how you make, made that decision or what that, or, a, or some other decision, like how you make decisions? I would say in my 20s, I made quick decisions and I <laughs> didn't doubt myself very much. Now I feel like I get decision fatigue because I mm-hmm. second guess mm-hmm. myself a whole. I have the critical voice is a lot more ramped up than it used to be. Um, and I had to really work through that as as a songwriter because there are times to have the critic hat on and there's times to just let it flow. You know, I'm sure y'all can others can speak to that. Um, how did I decide? It's hard to remember what I felt like back then, but it just seemed very obvious to me. I didn't have a piece about it. I didn't feel in my guts. And I know I'm more in my head usually, but I didn't feel that going to Covenant House was the right thing. Yeah. It just didn't. I mean, I took it very seriously enough to go up there for a week. So that's great. um, Yeah. It was a time. Do you feel like you normally try things on in that way? That it's good for you to, when you're making decisions, do you try on things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, before you make the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's good. One of the quotes I came across when I was getting ready for today was one Lisa Triadol saying that it feels irresponsible to not go all the way to the of all the possibilities of what's going to happen, not prepare for all all the way down mm-hmm. the line. That it feels irresponsible. Does that resonate with you? Claire, like in making these somewhat, somewhat. does it resonate with you, Kathy? I I think it depends on the context. Really? Okay. I thought it was such a good quote. Um, I I love that she thought it was irresponsible, you know, because I mean, for me, rubbing up against people who are thinking of every single thing in front of them that could happen or not happen or mm-hmm. like that irritates me. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like let's just let it roll out. Let's just, let's see what happens. Right. Okay. So I, it helps me to know that she's just trying to be good right. and trying to be responsible. And it makes sense to her. She's trying to be a steward of her future. Yes. Yeah. And that's that, and that's such a good way to think, for me to think about the Enneagram in general, that it's just 
it's so good to remember that people are trying to be good. Like they are trying. Folks to, are yes. trying to find their way, and if we can just, just for a second, remember that, mm-hmm. it just makes everything so different. Totally. So that woman like that. you talked about, she's not trying to. She's trying not to waste your time. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. This this person this, who said that. Person, yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But I like thinking of it as a steward of your future. I mean, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot. That's like how so, my brain works. So even as a sexual six, you are um, tracking down all the possibilities that might 100%. go wrong in the future. I mean, that's, I think, what all sixes are doing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we'll go to you, Kathy. Um, self-pres, in general, is conserving, using energy for stability, maximizing safety and steadiness. Um, uh, self-pressed sixes are the most actively fearful, the most doubting, um, looking for certainty and looking for allies. Um, what is, what is looking for allies? Uh, what does that mean to you? Do you? Well, it resonates. Okay. So I'll start there. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, feel like I need confirmation from multiple sources before I take action. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looking for allies, yeah, I can. I feel like I could contextualize that in a lot of different <laughs> ways. Parts of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And lately, especially, I think that that has been up for whatever reason, just with the turmoil of the last couple of years and a lot of insecurity. And mm-hmm. I have been noticing how difficult it is to take any kind of action at all mm-hmm. without sort of feeling like I'm cultivating some sort of army of um, people who agree with me mm-hmm. or resources that I can utilize to kind of put out in, in front of my decision so that other people can see that I'm making this decision based on whatever. Like good, like good research and sound information and all that. You yeah. feel like you have to prove that to people. Yeah. Do you have to prove it to yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's a way of talking about the depend being dependent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's good words for that. That you're, creating this whole structure so that other people can see. It's just, yeah, the, I think the, the validation comes externally. Yeah. From some, some things that are kind of quantifiable. Yeah. And feel less um, like I, I, I need to uh, defend, but I can have the defense come from. It's ready. Yeah. Ready to go. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's what um, well said, by the way, the quantifiable. Do you, re- does that resonate yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah, again, I don't want to take. No, but no, it's, it's helpful. It's helpful to kind well, of have it ping around, I think. Just, I remember wanting authority so badly when I was younger and wanting that kind of like, just if you have a chemistry question, then you, everybody comes up with the same answer. Of course, if you're a lip major, People are going to come up with lots of different answers. And I feel like <laughs> as a six, I really wanted some quantifiable, you know, thing to defend, like you were saying. I just <laughs> I think that's really well said. And so 
how does that work then though? Like being an artist, it seems like that would make it hard if you want quantifiable evidence, like to, to then like writing a song and wanting quantifiable truth is pretty, those are pretty different spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to let that go. (laughs) How do you do that in your art? Um, I, that's a great question. That's like something that I'm really, I'm really struggling with right now. Yeah. Cause I have felt like I'm just, like I was saying over the course of the last couple of years, whatever my least healthy (laughs) traits are, have been up. They're here. I'm like in it very (laughs) much right now. We're with you. (laughs) (laughs) So the, and being an artist, um, well, one way that it ha- one way that it looks for me is, I think it's really interesting. I would be interested to hear the sort of like enneagram uh, take on the fact that I have built this business where my employees are actually doing a lot of the creating, and I have to step back and do a lot of the administrative, and I get really frustrated with that. But then I think that it's also. Uh, self-preservation tactic because I can kind of step back and go, well, you need me because somebody's got to answer the emails, but simultaneously be really frustrated by the fact that I'm not actually doing the creation because that's what I want to be doing, Mm -hmm. but it's scary. Yeah. And the amount, and I have to be so mindful of what information I am taking in visual information or social or, or what all information is coming at me because I feel like I can shape shift really easily, mm-hmm. like to the point where it can be terrifying to me where I'll see something or read something or hear something. And all of a sudden I am, that's what I'm producing. Yeah. I feel the same way. Really? Yeah. I, have to, I feel like I have to Do really watch that. Do you all feel that, that way as artists Do you feel that social way, media and just everything that's around you? Wait, can y'all elaborate more so I can... Well, just like if you're if you're looking at um, on Instagram and I'm looking at art or I'm looking, I'm reading something or the way someone's describing something, I can start feeling like that's how, I like that I need to take that up, that I need to like incorporate it. And sometimes, sometimes I maybe do need to incorporate it, but sometimes I think I jump to it too quickly and it starts to get all, uh, I feel like everything starts melting together and I get lost. Lost. Mm -hmm. Lost. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? If anything, I feel like I get too self-referential in my own writing that I need to go and like see what's going on in the news more, see what other people are doing. That's really my kind of growth edge right now is letting some of those things actually affect my art more. So I actually yeah. come at it from a, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right now. Yeah. What about you? Savannah? Savannah? Like- I feel, I honestly feel the same way. I feel like if I see or hear other songs, let's say, or like videos that I like really connect with. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, wait, like I need to do that. And then I like start freaking out because I get kind of overwhelmed by like mm-hmm. all the inspiration almost. And then like self-conscious and I'm like copying people. And exactly. It's a yeah. whole spiral. Yeah. It's a spiral. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so the self-pres zones, well-being, resources, and nesting. So well-being attuned to rituals and habits of what it means to be well. And one of the things Russ Hudson talks about is it doesn't necessarily mean, I think this is so important, that just because it's like a dominant instinct, it doesn't mean you're good at it. It just means you're preoccupied with it. So like you, Suzanne, are a sexual six. You're very, you're following the juice. Doesn't mean the juice you're following is taking care of you. It just means that's what you're preoccupied with. And for you as a self-pres six, Kathy, you're, you're trying to create the stability. You're trying to create this uh, well-being for yourself and in your family Uh, and others, it sounds like that you're around because you think it might, it's going to come back on top of you. Um, so there's a preoccupation with it doesn't mean that that's actually taking care of you or, or Or making you well, (laughs) it's not making you well, you know, that's what's tricky about it. You have anything to say about that? I mean, I don't know, like it feels so on the nose that it almost feels difficult to dig into because that it's such a vice of mine to, and now again, there's so much information readily available that I can literally just dive into this world wherein people are so obsessed with sort of taking care of, of their physical selves Yeah. that, and, and then it, yeah. And then you flip over into sort of an obsessive, um, just feeding that idea that there is actual safety there is mm. so intoxicating mm. and it's such it, it by and large it's such a lie or there's just so much nuance there that you have to discover for yourself but the idea that you can build a body that is going to resist all right. of the pathogens and then that somehow also means that it will resist any kind of unhappiness Mm -hmm. or despair or grief somehow you'll you'll build a body that nobody around you will die (laughs) right right. (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's such a it's just it's so intoxicating to think that there's that level of safety that exists through these rituals and these practices so it's like existential armor Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. you're trying to yeah You're trying to fight off fear of the abyss, fear of mortality, fear of all those other people. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm. So good. It would be interesting. I don't even know how to unpack this and we don't have to unpack it, but I think it would be interesting to have a conversation at some point around rituals and well-being and Mm -hmm. like how we interact with those and how like that they are good things and how we can kind of our awareness and being aware of it, how do we, well, how do we transform that or how do we interact in a way? You and I were talking before this, Mm -hmm. like how we love the Enneagram. We have something to offer Mm -hmm. about the Enneagram, but what is bothering us or what frustrates us sometimes is the way the world interacts with the Enneagram or how people get so caught up in defining themselves instead of realizing that instead of using it as a tool. And so I think, same with well-being. It's also this huge yes. thing right now that everyone's talking about. And instead of it being this beautiful thing for 
all of us to live into a deeper health. We're just talking about it in the most myopic and asinine way. And even when we're trying to be really, quote, spiritual about our well-being, it comes across in this really because it's such a beautiful way. part of you, Kathy, and yeah. you're the only one too. Like mm-hmm. in a space like this, where you can unpack it and say, "Like, ah, this is what I really am. <laughs> like, this is what how I'm really under interacting with it under the surface, right? Like, what's what's behind that?" And so I, I just, I don't even know. I think it would be interesting to talk about how do we take that beautiful, thoughtful part of mm-hmm. who you are in the world, and I. I don't know, transform it or, or does it need to be transformed? I don't know. I just think that's an interesting, how we ritualize things and how we, how we connect with that part of ourselves. Yeah. It Um, makes me, I have been thinking a lot about lately about how ritual is, uh, it was pro it was pre-programmed for us mm -hmm. on a societal level for Mm -hmm. millennia. And now, now it's we're not. Look now we're it. choosing our own rituals, and we often are choosing rituals that are very self-serving, and and that and that probably are feeding into our the least healthy parts, parts of ourselves. Of what I've been trying to figure out how to what to how to incorporate ritual because I'm very ritualistic and very um, structured, but I. I'm, I'm learning now that I need to be integrating ritual that is less intellectual mm. and more spiritual or mm. more esoteric mm-hmm. and enigmatic and difficult to mm-hmm. define. Um, so, I, and I think in the past, these rituals would all have been pre-programmed for us. We would be touching all of them. Yeah. And certain ones might resonate more than others. You find so, your way. But there them. would be a poo-poo platter of mm-hmm. ritual. Right. Um, and now because we're choosing our own, we're probably just choosing the ones that are easiest. Digging for us our holes or deeper. Yeah. Or not. Like yeah. others are just not, right? Like it's a Yeah. I don't know. But I would imagine it would have something to do with letting go and uh mm-hmm. stopping um all, all these ways of, of creating a safe space and a mm-hmm. safe structure. It's something about just that all stopping, but I guess for every number, it's yeah, just, that's it's the, the same. That's, it's, I it's, mean, this uh, is going to sound so lame and I know I say it all the time, but I mean, just the very awareness that you have to articulate what you did about what, what you are doing currently with well-being, right? <laughs> just that well-being, very yeah. observation about yourself is it. Right, like that's the gateway of having a different interaction with it or choosing something different. True, but yeah. I also do think that the next level is like, what is that what thing? Is it? Yeah, I don't you, know. Yeah, so I think I think yeah. that's 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 lovely. It is. It is. Um, so resources is about self reliance, wanting to know what's coming down the pipe, knowing how to create structures in the world that will foster uh, your expansion and being protected, being responsible. Um, we talked last time we were together about spontaneity as aggressive. And um, I thought that was, I mean, you, you thought that was kind of strange, but you also kind of agreed with it. Yeah. Um, spontaneity is aggressive other, to assist. Other like people's spontaneity, spontaneity feels, feels aggressive. aggressive. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And is maybe like kind of 
yeah, it's kind of impeding this, this structure that you're building for safety and resources and self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Any, anything about that or? Yeah, that all. Does like knowing what com- is coming down the pipe, is that something that's important? Very. Yeah. And so don't you think that kind of relates to the quote I said earlier about like going through every possibility, everything through. in the future and like that feels responsible or does it just feel safe or? Um, yeah, I guess the, the statement of it feeling responsible is not the word maybe, you use. Yeah. It's not the word that I would use. It's okay. sort of maybe more compulsive or, um, hmm. Hmm. It doesn't necessarily, like, I don't necessarily, it, do, it doesn't feel, I, and maybe it's just a self-reflective thing where I know, I personally know that it's a fool's errand to attempt to predict the future in so many different iterations and how, and how I can spin on that hamster wheel indefinitely. So maybe to me, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel responsible because it feels like wasted energy. That being said, it happens anyway. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's great. That's so clarifying. That's so good. Um, can I say, can I respond to that? Please. I have something that <coughs> is somewhat relatable to that. So I realized that as I was preparing to go, play music for a retreat or something that was getting really stressed like two and three weeks um two and three weeks in advance and trying to kind of like well what songs am I going to do and I'm going to send them everything like trying to figure it out before I got there and I realized that so much of my happy times with music or just any number of things are usually spontaneous And so I thought, well, I'm going to try not preparing this time and just seeing how I'm going to wake up and see what I feel like doing. And it was, this was just like in the last year or so that I've, that I've tried this new approach. And, um, I realized, okay, yeah, the voice is saying, well, what if, what if, what if, you know, you don't think of everything and it it didn't matter because it was so free and it was just, it took, it, it like took three weeks off of worrying about it and trying, you know, so anyway, I, I say that as somebody that feels very much like trying to make sure I know what's coming down the pipe and being prepared, but then also realizing that there's maybe it's the social sort of side of myself that really likes the spontaneity and what it brings out in me. And so I kind of like had that, that voice win this time. Uh-huh. So and anyway, like it was just, it was in, kind of in winning, did it, like, did you have to, were you aware that you were suppressing over and over the worry or the preparation? Did you have to continually say, no, now I'm going to put that down? No, it kind of just sort of just kind of, I was like, I know you're here and we're, you can talk, but it wasn't quite as loud. Yeah. You know, loud huh. When you're saying you can talk, okay. you're talking about your fear or your yeah, prep yeah. voice. Yeah. The prep voice. And so when I got there and I did my, you know, whatever I was going to do, it really felt better and a little more, in tune with maybe what the room was feeling and what I was doing at the time, because if three weeks away, I may not be, you know, that may not be relevant three weeks from now. So, but at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking planning is good. And, you know, if you're getting ready to go on a trip, you know, maybe you should think about where you're going to go and what hotel you're going to stay in and not decide <laughs> that the day before. <laughs> right. Right. But anyway, I, so that was just a little, 
Yeah. Does that resonate with you, Suzanne, about performing that you have, there's kind of a balance of preparing and then, and then spontaneity? Honestly, like, yeah, I would say so. I think lately I've, I found a lot of comfort in spontaneity because I've become so obsessive with trying to plan everything as a way to like control it and kind of mitigate my anxiety that it's like kind of relaxes me just like submit to it and like not think about it and not plan it at all and kind of like give up all that control. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I still rehearse and stuff, so it's not like I'm just like doing whatever, but yeah. You know, especially when I record songs, my dad and I would get arguments about this actually. Like Mm -hmm. he's very much like, like, like figure out what runs you're going to do and what new, like different things you're going to try with the song. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go to the studio and I'm just going to sing and whatever comes out is what comes out. And we butt heads about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Susanna, do you, that, do you ever, do you find sometimes making a set list for a performance, especially if you're using new players or maybe you're, maybe you play with the same people, but do you find making a set list sometimes hard or do you just like do, I'm going to do so the first three songs out of the gate and then I'll figure out when I get there. Making a set list is so hard for me. Yeah. It stresses me out so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there, when somebody hands me a set list, like, here's what we're going to play. Like, it's such a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you see. <laughs> no, it's I didn't know that torturous. people handed y'all set lists. I thought y'all were. Well, <laughs> I've played with. Oh, when you play for us. Somebody <laughs> handling, handling that. And my friend that was in the group was like, thank you for making this set list, you know. Got because, it. Because, yeah, it's just decision fatigue. Like, well, do I open with that one that so-and-so likes or this one that I feel really good about or this one that's kind of like a crowd pleaser or do I close with that one that my parent, I mean, you know, yeah, all those things. But anyway, you're smiling. <laughs> no, I totally, it's great. It's great. It's just great to hear about, um, uh, about fear coming from this perspective because yeah. we just don't hear about it so much from like a, a songwriter or a song performer perspective. It's just, it's, it's good. It's helpful. Um, okay. So third zone of self-prize is nesting, um, kind of safety, comfort, stability. Um, so that's Lee's favorite. Um, how do you, are you big on that? On nesting? Yeah. And just creating safety, comfort, and stability all around you. Caring, carrying home with you wherever you go. (laughs) Making other people at home. Making other people. Uh, Is that what it feels like to you? Oh, I like that, Lee. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. It's Sorry. funny. I, uh, <laughs> I'm also a cancer, which that was, that's like the, the thing that people have always said about cancers my whole life. Um, what have they said about cancers your whole life? Well, cancer is the crab, right? You have your shell, shell. You your home with you, wherever you go. Oh, <laughs> are always kind of creating a home like atmosphere. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely resonates. I, I think in the most way and just, I have a really hard time leaving home. home. Yeah. I, when I'm not home, I feel very uncomfortable and I'm always mm-hmm. kind of fixated on when I'm going to be back <laughs> home. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like the, the, my family is my, that's where I go for all you know, not all kind of resources, but it's definitely like the primary thing that I'm most concerned with keeping safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do y'all ever kind of catch yourself when you're out somewhere and you feel uncomfortable and you kind of just want to go, you just want to go home? Do you ever kind of 
observe that and say, well, why? Like, why do I want to leave this person that I like being with? Like, what is the impulse about? Like, do you know what I mean? And like, what, what am I doing? Like, wh- what is that compulsion? Oh, yeah. This is like the one of the biggest issues in my life. <laughs> yeah. Because like don't you think if you it. break it down, it's like you're like maybe leaving a really good friend in a really good situation to go to what? Nothing. Nothing. To go do nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and like we're all going to be dead one day. Yeah. So like maybe it's a good idea to like stick with it. Yes. Yeah. It would be awesome <laughs> if it was that easy. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I know. It's no, I, I like can really torture myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to be in the world. I really do. Like, it's incredibly important to me. Relationships are incredibly important to me. But when I go out, it's like the clock starts ticking. And then it, like, at some point, the alarm goes off and I have to get out or I will die. Like, I literally feel like I'm going to fall apart and die. (laughs) That, that, yeah. Does that resonate with you, Lee? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, um... Oh my god. I don't know if that's like introvert and self press I mean, I think it has to be a little bit both. Maybe a little bit of both. But and then a little I'm six nine. Constantly action. watching, looking. You know, like it's that kind of clock in my head. Yeah, because it's like um, energy. Energy. It's energy. Yeah. Um and I do observe, and sometimes I'm better. I think when I can grab a little sexual energy or just kind of tell myself to do it and I move through it, then of course, there is more expansion. Um, sometimes there's not, you know. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, it's, it is hard. for That takes up a lot of space. I mean, Me too. Too much space. So much space. <laughs> and I think the opposite can be true, too, for us sexual types, <laughs> right, is that we're always um, – thinking the juice is where it's at and and looking for more and more juice and maybe being disappointed in the juice we found and trading that juice in for the next juice and juice, juice, juice. And then really, you know, it's it's like maybe you just need to go sit with yourself and calm down. And, and Claire, and, maybe and you be, could and organize have, us and get us going. Yeah, maybe you, <laughs> just, could, you could tell us all which, which direction <laughs> we need to be going in that regard. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah. And so, I mean, do y'all have, you said you're self-pressed blind spot, Susanna. And do yeah, you- it's weird because I feel like I am so like, I will get like kind of fixated on like helping myself and being really healthy and trying to like do everything right for like mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. But right. then like all that's kind of like superficial ways of trying to help myself. Like the, the actual ways to help myself would involve like really changing the way I view relationships, like not mm-hmm. getting caught up in this, like letting myself be fully like, Taken over. Taken over by other people. Mm-hmm. That would be, like, true self-preservation. Right. And that I, like, right. fully have a blind eye to. Yeah. Right. I, I like um, saying it's your oddly un- in You you don't know how to stabilize your life, and you're oddly uninterested in yeah. it. <laughs> Which I totally relate to. Yes. <laughs> That's so yes. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really telling um and what about you kathy you have any idea what your blind spot is like what's the one you need to work on the most um i don't feel like i know enough about them to say i would off the cuff say probably sexual Mm -hmm. because i feel like hearing claire talk about some of the social elements Mm -hmm. 
I can connect to yeah. more than, I, I mean, I don't know. Like there's, there's elements of all of it. That right. Your like, whole job is kind of about creating that space for people where everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you're creating this whole environment where everyone is, has their voice and you're fostering it and holding it. And, well, and that like just walking into a room and kind of assessing where everyone is. Yeah. Energetically. Reading the, reading the <laughs> and energy. And trying to figure out how to not necessarily orchestrate it, but like hold it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that like, yeah, I don't know enough about um, kind of the full picture of like a sexual sex or whatever, but I, I definitely have a hard time kind of allowing myself to feel passionate and mm-hmm. feel excited. And like, I, I, I want to kind of, I often want to kind of tamp that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, what I wrote down here is when they are inspired, they tend to draw attention elsewhere and let the passion slip through their fingers pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's like, and Lee, I think you were talking about whatever your lowest instinct is, is just like, you're always trying to prop it up and then it just kind of slips through your fingers and slips through your fingers. And I feel like it's like, you don't have the playbook. Yeah. To to bring it up. I feel like, like we've talked about this, I think maybe in the instinctual podcast, was that 19? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but like for a while, I thought I was sexual because mm-hmm. I was so focused on doing and kind of, I mean, but it felt like my whole, it was my whole life. Like that's all yeah. I could focus well, on. And then I, then you kind of get tired. And yeah. so it's hard to, it's like we're, hard to it's find like we're a, so atrophied in whatever uh, the other one is. Like, yeah. I think too, we have a work perception of it. So like, mm-hmm. I think when I think I'm working really hard on, on being, on having self-pres on board and having stability in my life and all these like practical things, like what is feeling hard for me and what is feeling like a lot of work for a self-pres would it's feel not- like a, like a little drop yeah. in a teacup, yeah. you know? And I think the opposite is true for sexual. So like sometimes I think when self-pres people are talking about that they're really getting out there and out of their shell and they're doing these things that feel risky. I'm not trying to be, no, but it, it's just it's like true. when that's what you have on board all the time, you're like, uh, wow, that's wow. Yeah. So I think it's so, and I don't know what it would be for social. I mean, I guess it would just be like um, when you're trying to, um, hold a group together or collaborate or put your, or have the greater good matter more to you than your own direct needs. I mean, I think probably like for you, it's like you swim in that water when you're trying to watch someone who's not good at that kind of try to grab at that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You you just see their struggle or you see the lack, you know? Well, what I think of when I, when I hear this is, um, playing music with somebody and I'm feeling this intense connection. Maybe it's going really well. Like maybe I'm singing with somebody and our voices are kind of locking in and it's like, Whoa, this is, this is an intense thing. Do I lean into that? Or do I kind of like not look at, you know, like, cause <laughs> I mean, this is, this is funny y'all, but if I can say <laughs> when Johnny, the, the film walked the line, mm-hmm. whoever directed that said he considered the singing together of John and Junie, like love scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if some, if I'm not the only person that's thought that, so that's for me, it's kind of like, that's where I, that's kind of where I go of maybe my, my growth edge is kind of to not be afraid of that sort of intense experience yeah. and, and, and enjoy it. 
and and, may, by and maybe not even find it that intense. <laughs> See, but I don't think those you of don't us think who don't live there that it's just going to be intense. It's just going to be intense mm-hmm. for me, at least. I don't. I can't imagine. Although yeah, maybe just, it's I'm like just, conflict muscles, right? Like the I'm things just, that I've thought were conflictual in the past are not anymore. So yeah. maybe that's not the I'm case. Just, I'm just wondering, yeah, if there's a like, like if if Susanna and I are quote oddly uninterested in having these more practical lives, mm-hmm. I, I think <laughs> there's a way in which we can work on our perception of that so that yes. it feels. Hey, I mean, there's probably a way that it can even feel juicy. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Like I'm sure I can't really figure that out right <laughs> no, now, but I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But I think no, but I yes. actually think so. No, I, I actually believe saying. that because I believe the opposite is true too. Yes. So I think that there's pro I'm not, I think y'all are very aware of when intensity is not gonna is scary and that you go away from it. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about not taking care of yourself. So the opposite of what you just said, you know, like maybe it won't feel intense one day. Maybe you can do it and it doesn't have to feel juicy. Or, or I guess, I I guess what I'm looking for is to have some interest in it. So Mm -hmm. for, I mean, you know, to be interested in those things. But if you practice it, well, I guess what I'm saying, like if you, if I, if I practice my sexual, bringing up my sexual instinct and leaning in maybe doesn't feel as intense and scary at right. some point, right? But that right. I kind of balance there. Yeah. Then I think the opposite of that maybe is that you leaning into practicalities of things doesn't have to feel juicy. It can feel um, grounding. Like grounding or satisfying. Yeah. Like um, today, I what I do is I pretend that Nathaniel's dead when I have to do something practical. This is really dumb, <laughs> but like I pretended like he was dead so that I filled up my tire with air, and then when I couldn't figure out, like I filled it with too much air, and then I was like gonna text him like, "What do you do when you fill your tire with too much air?" And then I'm like, "No, he's dead." <laughs> so then I was like, I googled it and I filled. I you just turn your fucking what do you call that thing? That tool, you turn it around and press it into the wheel. And like, I know I sound like an idiot right now. I know I sound like a four. But I sound like a sexual four, right? So like probably a self-pressed four might think I'm being kooky too, right? You know what I'm saying? So, So I have to like come up with these scenarios so that I will lean into those. Taking care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, whatever it works. works. No, it, yeah. it works, it and works. so, yeah. so I don't know if that's. I'm so glad you said that. Out loud. So you are. It. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so yes. Uh, to end this, is there any other thing we want to talk about, or do you think there's any way that we can be helpful <laughs> to each other more, or sixes more? Anything this, sixes this need to know helpful. This before? Has been helpful. This right here. Has it? Love yeah. hearing. Y'all are helpful. So good. So we could all have dinner together. Our experiences are right each other. Yeah, I think it really is. I feel like it all honestly like boils down to control, though. I, what I—that was the word that was playing in the back of my head this entire time. So yeah. I really feel like that is a. I know that all humans like to feel in control, but I really think the head triad has got it in spades. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. And and, the, and it's like the, they're using control to combat fear, right? All oh, five, sixes, and sevens are all doing that. 
Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that yeah. a little when you were talking about, well, and like when Claire was saying that she was wishing that she was four, I went through, I went through a similar mm. uh, phase <laughs> of really wishing I was a four. Uh-huh. Really, it's really not wanting to be a six. Yeah. And I think that that there was an element of wanting to kind of control the narrative around being an artist. And somehow it felt as though there would be an authenticity lended to being an artist. If I could say you could be a four. Yeah. And otherwise it's somehow, but it, but it like, I I was thinking of the word control when you guys were talking about that, because Mm. it's very inorganic, but it's like trying to control other people's perception of me and my authenticity by being able to give it a label. Yeah. That's so good, Kathy. It really is. Or, oh, I mean, it's no, I think such it's a really good. Good way to <laughs> talk no, it, about no. it. It's not sad. Not I mean, at I just all. think it's that's. It's so honest, honest and I think it's very and good common. And helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.